This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a Future of What single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at KillRockStars.com slash The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. talking to Peter Gordon of Thirsty Ear. So I wanted you to come on to just give a good overview of net neutrality and why it's important for the music business. Net neutrality asks the question or states that the internet is created as an open resource for all people to use without barriers. And we want to keep it that way. The complication is the internet has become something that no one anticipated. And there's a great deal of trade that goes through it. There's a great deal of speech that goes through it, expression. And then, of course, how it drills down to the creative community, which is, is our great concern. How does that affect us? And the camps are, leave it the way it is, ain't broke, don't fix it. Call it Title II or a common carrier, regulated like the, the phone industry, meaning it's an essential need. So don't mess with it. And then there's the commercial side that says, hang on, you know, we need money for infrastructure. We need to make money on this and we shouldn't be held back. And that's the kind of fragile discussion that everyone's trying to figure out. How do you balance the commercial concerns against the basic freedoms that we want embedded in the internet? So the discussion right now that's been swirling about really is is basically a discussion between the big ISPs and the public. And the big ISPs are saying, we would love to be able to charge different amounts for different tiers of access. And the public, on the other hand, is saying, and many other organizations are saying, we can't do that. We have to keep the internet open as it has been in the past when you start creating tears and charging for it, it's discrimination basically because you're discriminating against people who can't afford to pay for different tiers. Is that your understanding? Well, you're using the term discrimination. They're saying let the market rise where it is. If you can afford it, you can go in the fast lane. If you can't, you're on the right lane in the slow lane with the trucks going up the hill. But yes, they're basically saying this is a commercial enterprise. We should be able to make money on it. We've, we put money into it. We have to service it. We have to support it. Why can't we treat it like any other business we have out there? And of course, you have to look at the practical use of the internet. It's been an explosion for the creative community, for discovery, for access, and, and why should we give that away? And then you have to look at what is the internet, right? And the internet isn't isn't solely about these internet service providers bringing it to your home. It's, it's this whole other larger infrastructure that ties around the world that they're not a part of. So they're kind of hijacking the entire technology or the cost of the technology for their portion of it. And it, it throws us into this debate on how do you 
regulate it because you obviously on the one hand we want infrastructure to continue meaning we want to be able to get into all homes in america and we all we want to be able to have a free-flowing access and speed on the other hand we don't want to create this uh, tiered system which essentially means those of us in the independent community end up on the slow lane and you know people by nature if you don't get in something you move on which means we're going to cut off a lot of our natural access. And as a result, the debate is now being passed between the FCC, which regulated it as a common carrier, and they'd like the FTC to do it as as a trade situation. And I personally think there's somewhere in the middle of what the Internet is because it, it both has trade, but it's also a point of freedom of expression, which is FCC. And it's a basic, as radio is regulated by the FCC, meaning there's a a public service requirement for all radio. I think there's an element of that for the Internet, because it's essentially you can go to streaming, you can do what you do on your podcast, radio that streams. It really falls in that category of public service for public good. So there's no magic bullet, but I think if both sides can get a little taste of what they want without being highly restrictive, we can move it forward. But that's now asking Washington to do its job and to uh, speak across the aisle. Right. Which, of course, is not going so well, as we know well. Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting conundrum because in addition to all the points that you've made, there's also the point that it's really difficult to get people to change or to desire change something that's different from what they're used to. And this would be a big change for, for the way that most people are living their lives in America today in terms with regard to the internet. Well, you look at quality of life, right? Has the internet improved? Well, let me ask you, has it improved your quality of life? Has it improved your business? Has it improved what you do? Are you living a better life today than pre-2000, let's say? Well, I'm a bad person to ask because I would say the way, the major way that the internet has improved my life is by helping me win arguments with my husband when we can't remember a certain detail (laughs) and somebody can Google it and find out really quickly (laughs) instead of having to have these arguments that hang over your head until you can get to a library and find out the answer. You know, but other than that, yeah. I mean, obviously it's had a huge impact on my life. You know, I do everything on the internet now that I used to do with the phone and, oh man, I bet you guys have the same situation that we have, but we have boxes and boxes of faxes, which have now started to fade away. So it's blank paper with like some ghosts of brown writing on it. So I have no idea. We may have, you know, signed many deals that I know nothing about because they're all gone on fax paper. <laughs> Disappeared, yeah. Well, let's look at our creative community, right? We're in the business of helping artists along to try to bring them to a larger audience, right? And we want them to have a really kind of fertile playground to develop them, right? I mean, that's good for us, good for them, good for their future. And if you look at the music sector as sort of an ecosystem with all, all the various players in it, it's, it's very diverse and it's very inclusive, right? And that gives everyone a chance to work with everyone else. And a lot of the, 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 the equal ground is based on the internet brings a lot of people forward. If you start choking that, then the, the creative community is then almost back 50 years, 30 years ago, when the exposure was limited to a couple of genres, a few major labels, 
and the rest were choked out. So we'd almost be turning the clock back quite a bit. And then, of course, there's the argument that we pay for play in terms of access is the equivalent of hail on radio and that it's serving to, you know, a stifle our area versus encourage and nurture it and uh, give everyone a better quality of life. So I think it's where you put your priorities and where you put the country in terms of how you best serve it and, and how you protect its cultural economy. And if this country believes that its cultural economy is something to protect and to promote, and usually it's the best uh, ambassadors out there for the world, then this is a no-brainer. If it's capitalism at work and grab every nickel and dime you can, regardless of collateral damage, then the ISPs are going to work. So it's basic core values we're talking about. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Let me bring up something else because this has crept in in past attempts to legislate net neutrality and in a variety of ways, there's been this interesting conflation where net neutrality and freedom of access has gotten conflated with the copyright debate. And I feel like we saw that six or seven years ago when the bills, the SOPA and PIPA bills were introduced. And at the time, I recall feeling like SOPA and PIPA were positive for the music industry because they reinforced some copyright legislation that that actually said that copyright owners and copyright holders got to have some say in what where our copyright appears on the internet. But the bills were defeated and they were defeated partially by an argument that conflated the openness of the net with sort of this freedom to use copyright, even if it's held by other people. I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Well, the openness of the net is part of the sentence. It's open and legal access to material. That copyright is is constitutional right. It's something that we've created for an industry. So I think you're taking just a partial explanation of open, that a copyright is a point of protection and is meant to encourage, frankly, entrepreneurs across the board, not just in the music industry, but copyright trademarks the whole bit. And I'm not sure why the internet per se needs to get a pass on not honoring what copyright means in the world just because it's a new technology. It still needs to be a law-abiding citizen, uh, in which case it's a fairly simple conversation. What it does is the use and abuse of copyright is uh, quite attractive to the search engines, to the ISPs, because it, it creates more need to be on the Internet because uh, everything's available to you. There's, there's no restrictions in terms of who has it and where has it. It's, it's available and, and duplicate, triplicate, 100 times over. So we're looking at a commercial need to create a robust search versus uh, a constitutional need to have access on a legal basis, not because it's there and someone grabbed it. So I, I think it's a little unfair to play the open card because open is, uh, you need to qualify what open means. Well, I'd agree, but I know that the Googles of the world were very successful in sort of aligning themselves with the free internet people in overturning those two bills with this sort of argument that, you know, it's stifling art and creativity to force people to enforce copyright legislation, basically, which, you know, coming from an independent label position, it seems crazy (laughs) to me. 
it seems very difficult to get behind that because, you know, using other people's art for your own purposes seems like something you should at least ask before you do. Well, absolutely. Look, it was a wild west when the internet started and nobody really wants to tame it. And a lot of people are making a lot of money off of it because of the fast and loose rules and enforcement. So they don't want that taken away. Why should they? I think you could you could go the other way and say if, the, if everybody involved in music and theater and the arts and any of the performing arts, if we just one day took all our stuff off the internet... Would we then be in a better position to negotiate with these so-called open free things because no one's going to be searching anymore because a lot of the good stuff is now gone? So you can't argue out of convenience or inconvenience, and eventually you kill the golden goose. If you take away the creative sector, how are you going to populate the Internet if you're looking for some kind of musical entertainment? (laughs) And on that note... Peter Gordon from Thirsty Ear. Thank you so much for being my guest today on The Future of What? Portia, thank you. Nice to talk to you again. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. We are young. We are weak. Just as blank as we
was Working Poor by Horse Feathers. 